really don't know that I want the government telling me, you know, when my kid wants to start a, a business and do online advertising or something that somehow he shouldn't be allowed to do that. Protects these children from ruining and throwing their lives away in the Department of Corrections by having early accountability. Veterans are the most important thing we've got that defend freedom. From the fourth floor of the Capitol Rotunda, you're listening to WFSU Public Media's Capitol Report, the podcast. I'm Tom Flanagan. Among today's Capitol action, rumors were flying throughout today that Governor Ron DeSantis was getting ready to veto a controversial social media bill aimed at keeping minors off of online platforms. Kristen Wood reports the move could ignite a standoff between the governor and the legislature when the two were working in lockstep just a year ago. The governor had signaled he would oppose the bill previously, citing concerns that the legislation didn't give parents a say in choosing their children's social media access. He also says he is concerned the bill would be subject to legal challenges. You've got to strike that proper balance uh, when you're looking at these things uh, between uh, policy that is helping parents get to where they want to go versus policy that, that may be, uh, you know, just over outright overruling parents. The bill is House Speaker Paul Renner's priority, and he remains adamant that the measure is legal. Well, we you know we've worked with everyone, all stakeholders from really the first moment. And so we've made a number of changes. Uh, it's it's remember, most of our priorities passed in week three and four last year. And so we've taken a little bit more time to get to where we are. Um, but we think we have a really good product. We're really excited about it, both being effective and constitutional. Renner and Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo could work to override a veto. A Republican-controlled legislature has not overridden a veto made by a governor in their party since they took control in 1999. The House already has more than the two-thirds support of its members that is needed to overturn a DeSantis veto. The Senate was four votes short of that threshold. Meanwhile, different factions have been working to influence public opinion on the issue. Moms for Liberty co-founder and DeSantis ally Tiffany Justice recently voiced dissatisfaction with the bill on her podcast. I, I applaud the effort and the, and the willingness to take on such a, a big issue because we all are you know, concerned. And I'll say, as a mom of four, some of my kids do better with these types of, of interactions than the other. But I really don't know that I want the government telling me you know, when my kid wants to start a, a business and do online advertising or something that somehow he shouldn't be allowed to do that. Political committees on both sides of the issue have also launched competing polling and social media campaigns. A group called the Citizen Awareness Project paid for a poll that found most Floridians opposed the bill. Another group, the PAC Florida Right Direction, commissioned a poll that found that most Floridians support the bill. That PAC has been mostly funded in the past by Renner and other influential House Republicans who support the measure. The legislature can overturn vetoes no later than the end of the regular session on March 8th. I'm Tristan Wood. Florida lawmakers considering increasing penalties on kids convicted of gun-related crimes. The proposal would raise the penalty for gun possession from a first-degree misdemeanor to a third-degree felony. The measure also gets rid of civil citations for such offenses. Lynn Hatter reports the bill has cleared the House and is now pending a full Senate vote. Why aren't we doing more for safe storage? Why aren't we doing more for background checks so that these guns aren't even out there in the first place for somebody to get access and get possession to them? 
So I have a lot of problems with this bill, and especially possession of a firearm. I just can't support it the way it's written. Democratic Representative Lori Berman is among lawmakers worried that plans to increase penalties on kids caught with guns could backfire, and that instead of dissuading them from crime, it could actually push them further into it. Several studies show that civil citations act as a warning for kids, and that repeat offenses are lower for those who receive such citations. But on the flip side, says House Bill sponsor Representative Bernie Jacques, the number of kids carrying guns is alarming and needs strong interventions. Protects these children from ruining and throwing their lives away in the Department of Corrections by having early accountability. During recent House debate over the measure, Jacques pointed to a Christmas Eve shooting in Largo when a mom was killed after her siblings got into an argument over Christmas presents. The two teenage siblings had previously been caught with guns. It's this, says Senate bill sponsor Senator Jonathan Martin of Fort Myers, that the bill aims to address. The Department of Juvenile Justice is not DOC. We treat kids completely different. We try to counsel them. When a kid steps out of line, we try to get them the counseling mentorship early. That's all this is trying to do. Martin is a former prosecutor. He says when the state started moving towards civil citations years ago, it prevented juvenile defense lawyers from suggesting more serious punishments that also came with supports like counseling, mental health, and other resources. We took that away so their lawyers are no longer allowed to act- actively advocate for their best interests. They're simply trying to keep them out of jail. The bill renames civil citations to pre-arrest delinquency citation programs. It also changes unlawful possession of a firearm by a minor from a first-degree misdemeanor to a third-degree felony on the first offense. Additionally, the bill provides specified punishments for such violations, including extending the amount of time a person would have to spend in secure detention. I'm Len Hatter. A bill calling for term limits for county commissioners is headed to the full Florida Senate. Eight of Florida's 67 counties now have eight-year limits for county commissioners. Three other counties have 12-year limits, and the rest have none. Legislation amended this week in a Senate committee would place a referendum on the 2024 general election ballot asking voters if they want eight-year term limits for their county commissioners. Previous versions of the bill would not have given voters the option. Supporters of the legislation say term limits are necessary to get new people and fresh ideas in the political process. State Senator Blaze Ngolia is the bill sponsor. The current posture of this bill is asking the voters, do they want term limits? The voter input that everyone's been asking for is accomplished in this bill. Opponents of the bill, including Putnam County Commissioner Larry Harvey, feel there is no need to limit the number of years someone can serve. All we're trying to do now is disrupt the system for no reason at all. We're trying to take good people out of office. I can be removed anytime for any reason. Right now, it's not a problem. A House version of the legislation is also ready for consideration by the full chamber. However, the current House bill differs from the Senate version, and both would need to be identical for final passage. The Florida House is looking at a bill that would bring more education and job opportunities to Florida veterans. The proposals received support in all its committee reviews, and as Adrian Andrews reports, the legislation now awaits a vote in the House floor. 
Miami Republican Representative Mike Rodondo is championing a veteran support measure that would bring more resources to the men and women who served in the U.S. Armed Forces. He says the state has a growing veteran population and the legislature should do all it can to ensure they are taken care of. We are now the third largest state in our country. And we happen to have the third largest veteran population as well. It counts for about almost 8% of our overall population here in the state of Florida. And the purpose of HB 1329 is to expand the opportunities and services that we provide to veterans and their spouses uh, for the first time in our state. The proposal helps out vets who are returning to civilian life and are in need of a job or looking to attend college. Under the bill, eligible veterans and their spouses will be able to qualify for additional job training and apply for stipends to pay for certain college courses. The proposal also offers some perks for outdoorsmen. Riverview Republican Representative Danny Alvarez is the bill's co-sponsor. He says if passed, disabled vets can receive free Florida hunting and fishing licenses as long as they live in the state. Veterans are the most important thing we've got that defend freedom, and I'm proud to say we'll never repay their debt. So thank you, and this is our way we're showing it. An amendment was added that requires teachers in Florida to give additional instruction on the history of Florida's veterans and the importance of recognizing them on Veterans and Memorial Day. The bill is now being presented on the House floor. I'm Adrian Andrews. Our regular Capitol Report correspondents are Adrian Andrews, Gina Jordan, Lynn Hatter, Regan McCarthy, Margie Manzel, and Tristan Wood. Shows are available Monday through Thursday by 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, wherever you get your podcasts. On many of these Florida public radio stations, you can tune in each Friday to catch the latest on all things happening at the Capitol. That show's also available in podcast form. Technical assistance comes from Taylor Cox, and I'm Tom Flanagan. This is Capitol Report, the podcast from WFSU Public Media.